Are you one of those people who make a difference? Would you like to be? Stick around and find out how. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Welcome to our program. People who make a difference. We see a list of them here in chapter 16 of Romans. So how did they get there? What did it take to be someone who made a difference? If you're looking to make a difference in somebody else's life, leave a legacy, today's program is just for you. Join us, won't you? Again, from Valley Bible Church in Hercules, Romans chapter 16, with today's broadcast of Truth For Today, our teacher and pastor. Here now is Pastor Phil Howard. I think I will not try to read all the names. Asencretus, are you looking for a baby's name? 14, however you want to say that. Flagon, Hermes, Pedrobus, Hermes, Philologus, how about that one? Uh, Urbanus, not Urbana, but Urbanus. Stasis. What a list. I almost wondered, I said, God, why did you even put this in your word? Why in the world? Uh, did, I think I picked the wrong text. I want to preach on justification. Well, he's, he's concluding in some way the Spirit of God as he was dictating this letter in Corinth to his amanuensis Tertius. God wanted these people to be mentioned. And so we're going to wrap up uh, this week and next week uh, the greatest epistle ever written from my perspective. Um, and we're going to see uh, some people that made a difference so much that for 2,000 years God's people have been reading their names. We don't know their biography, only really Phoebe and uh, Priscilla and Aquila. We know the most about them. But the rest of these people are unknowns to us. Uh, how do they even get in? How do they even get into the greatest letter Paul ever wrote? And I think the thing we want to look at is after Christ made a difference in them by showing mercy on them, by giving them a righteousness before God that was not their own, after he worked in them, what kind of people does he turn you into? And we just get little one-word glimpses. Uh, I want to ask you this. If we had to describe you in one sentence, what would we say about you? I mean, that's true, that you didn't pay your wife and kids to write on the epitaph. What would you uh, think of that? I uh, was collecting, sometimes uh, I brought a uh, epigraph. You know, sometimes the epitaph has to be profound say something great about them, or, or obituaries. Um, listen to this obituary in the New York Times and the Times of London. I, I take it from Donald Gray Barnhouse. Uh, this is how people were remembered. Listen to this. Now, a writer on food and wines. Then here's one, a developer of trotting races. Uh, another one, Introduce the modern conditions for bottling beer. I mean, is that it? Uh, here's an epitaph. Beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. 
you know, uh, what, what are we going to remember you for? Had to kill the old girl to get her to shut up. That's what it's going to take for some of you, maybe. They finally shut up at their own funeral. And so we're going to look at some of these uh, glimpses, just one word descriptions and people. And we're going to find out some things uh, about this list, at least. I am amazed at how prominent and how many women are in the list. Wow, how many women were exercising uh, ministry in the early church? Uh, you'll be amazed at how many people that are noted uh, for their works, uh, what they did in the body because God did something. Uh, there's no Donald Trumps in the list. There's no Warren Buffetts. Uh, there's no Bill Gates. There's none of the high and mighty, just simple folks throughout the Roman Empire. Some, he will mention later, were with him at Corinth where he writes the book. And he's sending it to Rome, a church he's never been to, but he knows about these people. And uh, I wonder uh, if anyone knows about you from afar. Have they heard of you? I'll tell you what would really be stunning is for a pastor who's been here like me for a long time, what in the world I could say about you that wasn't a lie. That is really true. And uh, so we look here uh, at just ordinary people and how they change lives. I, before we look at this, I think of uh, uh, Howie Hendricks always loved to tell the story how he was led to Christ. He was led to Christ on the streets of Philadelphia playing marbles. He and his buddies were down on their knees playing marbles and a little bit of a, a you know, sandlot marble playing. And uh, all of a sudden, a guy comes walking by by the name of Walt. And Walt uh, was a guy that was working the neighborhood to get boys to come to his Sunday school class. And uh, as Hendricks tells the story, Walt invited them and all like that. But after a while, after talking to the boys and handing out whatever the address and come, we'd love to have you in my Sunday school class. You know, old fashioned stuff, work in the streets, work in the neighborhood. Uh, we Twitter or do something else, but you actually visited people then. And uh, all of a sudden he said, by the way, boys, could I enter the game? Howie Hendrick said that's where he lost all of his marbles in that game that day. <laughs> Walt cleaned their clock, took every marble, gave it back to him, of course. But guess what? They went to his class and he led them to Christ. And many boys out of that very class, Hendrick says, went into the ministry. You never know what God does to ordinary people. I don't even know Walt's last name. He never gave it. It's going to be wonderful that according to Hebrews 6.10, God will not forget anyone who has ever ministered to his people. No one. You can't give a cup of cold water in this outfit without it being recorded in heaven. 
And according to Malachi, he said, with all the apostasy going on in that nation, he tells Malachi, just tell them, I'm writing a book of remembrance of all those who've honored me during this time of falling away. Tell them I've got a book of remembrance. There's some things about you God's kept. He's written down everything you've ever done in your body for Jesus Christ. He's even, according to the Psalms, captured every tear you've shed for him. He's got it in a bottle. I don't know if he'll pour it out for you when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, but if you ever cried over a soul, if you ever cried in the work of the ministry anyway, he said, I've captured every tear. That's how intimately, personally involved he is with our lives. So what is there about the saints uh, that we ought to pay attention to? Well, let me just give you a little summary here. Uh, Paul mentions 26 individuals in this list. He calls, talks about servants, helpers, fellow workers. Four people are called beloved, uh, hard workers, co-workers, uh, fellow prisoners, men of note among the apostles, the approved of Christ, eminent chosen person called Rufus, brothers, saints, and we've got a diversity of ethnicity because you have Gentiles and Jews. You've got a diversity of gender. You've got a diversity of vocation. Some are freed slaves probably. And some like uh, Sister Phoebe is a woman of wealth, a woman of means. So all of them are in the church, multiple gender, multiple cultural uh, economic status, the rich and the poor were in the same body. Uh, the slave and the free were in the same body. Uh, the Jew and the Gentile were in the same body. All of this comes together in these closing words and last thoughts of Paul from Corinth. Let's begin to look at the first thing he mentions. He mentions Sister Phoebe. I commend to you, Sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Sincrea. Sincrea was about seven miles from Corinth. And so she came from that church. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Did you know it's an amazing thing? Is the epistle of the Romans was carried to Rome by Sister Phoebe. She was the mailman. She was the messenger. Listen to this. Never was there a greater burden carried by such tender hands. The theological history of the church through the centuries was in a manuscript which she brought with her on a ship to Rome. The Reformation was in the luggage. Reformation's 1500s, Martin Luther. The blessing of multitude in our day was entrusted to a little woman messenger named Phoebe. Take this to the church at Rome. And by the way, they read all 16 chapters in one morning service. Of course, they didn't exegete it all. They just read it. So, says some things. I love this. Paul says, a sister. Um, 
there's really something beautiful about the term sister, and, and especially the, brother, uh, the term brother. Brother is a word out of us, and it literally meant from the same womb. You're a brother or sister, really, biologically, to whoever shared the womb with your mother. I only have six other people in the world that I call a brother and sister, shared the same womb as my mother. It's a marvelous thing. Two sisters. Some of you guys are poor because you never had a sister. That's why you don't know how to treat women too well, maybe. Had sisters like me, you learn to treat them well or die. <laughs> Great educators, especially Hazel. And so he's saying, though, you know, I've only got six biologically, but I've got millions spiritually that have come through the womb of the new birth who have the same father as I have and were regenerated by the same spirit and just think God chose them as much as he chose me. God forgave them as much as he forgave me. He paid the same price. We're in the same family. And so you get to use this language, sister. I don't hear anybody in this church talk that way. Uh, I grew up in circles. I was always Brother Howard, even when I was 22, brother, sister. Now, it can be just a cliche, but it's really precious when you think we're in the same family. Same family. And then he says, there's something about her. She's a servant. And the word is used of deaconesses and deacons. Um, I, I've been inclined to think she was a, actually a, an officer, but the more I think about it, the, the church's history, 1 Timothy hasn't been written yet, so we didn't have even the office going too well uh, like Timothy organized, but she had the characteristic of those who spent themselves in doing ministry and service, and she was outstanding. They thought nothing about it. She was a hardworking woman. Besides that, she was called a protectress, a helper of many, which meant that uh, she either went to court for people, uh, bailed them out of jail, uh, the patroness term here was used of a lot of functions. Feed people that were fleeing for their life uh, because she had wealth of some sort. Go to court for them. She stood up for them. The Christians are being sued. Christians are being martyred. Christians are being uh, drugged into courts. And this sister put everything on the line there in Sancria. She goes to court for the saints. She puts up her money for the saints. She's willing to go to Rome for the saints. This sister don't ever despise what God can do through a woman. Matter of fact, it's hard on you. You got here through a woman. And when it came to the Savior's birth, they excluded the man. It got right down to where you ought to say, and of whom he was of Joseph, and he just excluded because it's, no, it's the seed of the woman that shall bruise the head of the serpent, not the seed of a man. It's the seed of God and the seed of a woman that bruised the head of the serpent. I'm amazed at how many chauvinists I've met in the church. I grew up in a church where my wife and I travel with a woman preacher. She shouldn't do it, but she was so good, she did it. She's outstanding. I don't believe women ought to pastor. 
I don't believe, you know what? We're better at knowing what they can't do than what they can do. All I know is women cannot be a ruling elder in the church and cannot be an authoritative teacher to the whole assembly. And after that, I think go for broke. Women, don't be sitting around saying God can't use you. He didn't waste the cross on you. He saved you to use you. You're a sister. You've got a ministry. And don't let anybody talk you out of it. By the way, it was a man, the God man that died to give you that privilege. And all the women said, thank you. And the men are meditating. Look at this second one. Uh, greet Priscilla and Aquila. Now, this, yeah, now, which is which? This is a husband-wife team. Which one is the husband? Yeah, but out of six times in the New Testament, she's always mentioned first. Why? There's speculation that she had the money. Some think she may have inherited money and that she's wealthier. Some think she may have been the more gifted. Have you ever seen a marriage where the woman was more gifted? Just go ahead. You and your husband talk it over right there. <laughs> a lot of us married above the grade. The only thing that justifies us is who we married. I mean, we, we can't be all bad to have married a woman like we married, right? Well, this is the wife, husband team that discipled Apollos in uh, Acts 18. And what were they? I mean, how would you like it if Paul said, and you're one of my fellow workers? I mean, this is, we're talking about Paul. What if Swindoll said, you're one of my fellow workers? Or some great Bible teacher. I mean, these two men, I used to spend all day with them doing leather work and making tents, and we talked the gospel all day. These guys are co-workers. Man, they work in the ministry. I remember the co-workers. I, I just love it. Soon Erge, in the yoke with me, working. And uh, I want to tell you, in every church, in my history as a Christian, I remember the co-workers. You get a lot of folks to vote. You can't get a lot of folks to work. You get a lot of folks that's got an opinion on everything. But can they do anything? We need this in this church. Well, I really agree with you. Are you available? Why? No. God called me to tell you what to do. <laughs> oh, that's your gift, telling the pastor what to do. I think we need this. Oh, shut up. Unless you're available, we don't even want to hear you. And when I first started Valley, uh, I'm going to tell you, uh, we had so many needs. Uh, this was needed. That was needed. And people, you know, we're only running about 13 and a half people. And people said, we need a youth group. No, I need to be paid. Uh, we, we need this. No, I need oxygen. I'm wearing out at 13 people. Uh, well, we, I think we were really, well, you ought to do it. Uh, we ought to do that. Uh, I set up all the chairs at first, and all of a sudden, some men started seeing. I preached morning, taught in the morning, preached at night, and my wife and I would break up all the chairs in the hall. And all of a sudden, some guy said, well, don't you think we ought to help? I've been thinking that for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my doctor said the coronary is due any moment. 
I mean, Carolyn would spray it with wizard because I always had a beer party the night before, set up the chairs, break down. We ran off the mimograph, old-fashioned mimograph in the garage. We did it all. We were a one-man show. There was nobody there, hardly. Hazel and I did the music. And then God started bringing people. And uh, I think of, uh, we used to meet in a, uh, we had Holy Ghost Hall. Look at these names. Anybody want to go to this church? Holy Ghost Hall is where we met. And Eagles Hall is where we had our Sunday school. I mean, it just makes you want to get in the lodge. Makes you want to get the Holy Ghost. I mean, it's just all those things. Just our halls would make a conservative break out in hives. And, and so people over there, the Rosses. We, we would put kids everywhere. We'd have to clean up. They'd have a, another party Saturday night. He'd go in there, old Phil Ross, sweep it out. His boy, Johnny, would help him. Work. Do this. Non-glorious stuff. Watermelon rinds all over the floor. Someone, they did a big barbecue party there one night, made a mess. But our people would go in there, sweep get the dirt out. Oh, God doesn't pay any attention to that stuff. He doesn't. My co-workers, have you ever put any sweat into the program? What makes you above it all? He said, I remember those people who labored with me, co-labored. And he's going to mention a bunch of them. And uh, there were fellow workers, and get this, they risked their lives for me. Now, this is getting carried away. Not only for me, but all the churches of the Gentiles. And by the way, they've opened their home for ministry. Now, now that is so radical. American Christians strain in that. We want to do home Bible studies. Hard to get people to open their homes sometimes. Uh, risk their neck. Uh, Epaphroditus did that in Philippians 2. He worked himself to the point of death because he made up for their lack of service. And he says, these people came near to losing their neck for the sake of me and the ministry of the churches. Let me ask you, have you ever risked anything for this cause? If you have, God will remember you. He'll write it down. Uh, I, I'm amazed at how cautious some people are. It's their excuse that they've never done anything. Uh, because they're cautious and they've calculated it. They've never got out of the boat. They've never walked on the water because they just won't get out of the boat. But these, this couple is outstanding. I mean, they're working, uh, they're ministering, they're discipling. And besides that, they came nigh to death, it sounds like, because they risked their life for the ministry. You know, I always used to kid, you don't want to go to a church when it's in a building program. And how many people we saw got the burden to come here after we got it built? Since they not had people visit us. Said, well, when you get through this, we'll come back. Because, you know, God has led us to green pastures, not building programs. Well, they're afraid we might ask them to give. And we would have. We would have wrung it out of them in love. No compulsion, just conviction. And so... What an outstanding, um, not bad. Do you think you and I, your husband and your wife, or however, do you think you'll ever wind up in a list like this? Well, according to 2 Corinthians 5.10, I think each one of you, if I understand the text, 
that he is going to examine the works of each one of us, and I do not think it's a mass evaluation. Saving the best for the last, and we're taking a look at the epilogue of the Book of Romans. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules, and we thank you for joining us today. As we close out our time together, we would remind you that copies of the broadcast, as always, are available for your review at your convenience or to pass on to friends and loved ones, maybe even make use of in small group settings. Now, we also have the entire eight set, that's 47 sermons on Romans. The series is available for a gift of $100 or more, Or if you would just like the series that we're currently in the middle of, simply entitled Epilogue, that is available for a gift of $15 or more. Now, here's how to contact us if you would like these resource materials or others that we have available. You can reach out to us by phone at 855-833-9864. Again, 855-833-9864. Or you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. Suite 278, and we're here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. Also, you're welcome to visit our website, valleybible.org. And if you visit the website, you'll learn more about us and who we are. Also, the other resource materials that we have available for your growth in Christ are all found, again, at our website, valleybible.org. And we would also remind you that this broadcast is presented daily here on KFAX as you come alongside and partner with us. As a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once a year special gift, and access to Take a Break with Pastor Phil. It's our weekly video devotional. And again, it's all for being a TFT sustainer. Whether it's $5 a month, 20 a month, or whatever the Lord lays on your heart, there's no gift too small or too large. Again, we rely on listeners to continue the ministry here on KFAX of Truth For Today. So please consider that as you contact us toll-free 855-833-9864 or as you stop by our website, valleybible.org. We do take secure donations online, and again, that's at valleybible.org. Thank you so much for joining us today. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you.